Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. It's an amazing thing, but we are dealing with a messed up family. And if anything, that should encourage us all. That should encourage us all. Because there's no family represented in this room that is perfect. I'm sorry, but you're not. And you're not part of a perfect family. But the beauty of that is, man, God can use anybody. And he is, and if I haven't said this enough, he is in absolute control. And even circumstances that we may not understand, take a step back and say, okay, God, help me to see what you see. God can use everybody any way he desires. There are many examples throughout the Bible of God using flawed people and dysfunctional families to bring about his will. In today's message, Pastor James continues to teach through the story of Joseph and his 11 brothers. There's so much unresolved hurt and betrayal in the life of this one family, and yet God uses them to perpetrate the line of Abraham, which eventually leads to the birth of Christ, proof that anyone can be redeemed and used by God. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 42 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. it at that point in time, like, just like, uh uh-uh, I'm going to flesh out on these people, like, no, but Joseph's like, he hears them, we're honest men, we're we're telling you the truth, your servants have never been spies, verse 12, he he says to them, no, it's the nakedness of the land uh, that you have come to see, and they said, no, we are your servants, we, your servants, are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan, and behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is no more. One has died. And they're standing before him, and they're like, yeah, our other brother, he's, he's dead. But that's what they thought. They didn't think he's a slave. They didn't think he's anywhere, even a lot. They thought, our other brother, well, he's dead. And that's, you know that's when Joseph's ears are per- perking up, and he's like, okay, well, tell me more. I'm interested in what you have to say. So this one's dead. Fascinating. He goes on, or they go on, uh, where Joseph says in verse 14, uh, it is as I said to you, you are spies, but this you shall be tested by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go out of this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined, that your words, if you're honest men, that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you. Oh, you're honest men? Okay, I'll test that out. One of you go back. Get your youngest brother and bring him back if you're telling the truth. Or else, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph says to them, do this and you will live, for I fear God. They would have recognized that if they were paying attention. They would have recognized it because he doesn't say, um, the wording he uses there is not to, you know, indicate a, an Egyptian god, which were many. He uses the word, the term to describe the Hebrew god. So he's throwing out a little hint to these guys. They should have picked up on that. But if I was in their shoes, 
I wouldn't have picked up on that because I would have been thinking like, oh, man, I'm in jail. What's going to happen? This guy has the authority to take my life. And now we got to go back and get our younger brother. And we know that our dad is not going to let him come. So what they're faced with is this very real reality of like, there's nine of us that are more than likely going to die in this prison cell because one of them gets to go back home and they know each other. That guy may not come back. He may not want to come back, right? Because, yeah, okay, you go get the brother. Yeah, sure, I'll go get him. Yeah, I'll get him. Well, what's that set him up for? That sets him up for a really good chance to be the heir with only contention with Benjamin to be the heir. So that, realistically, that means just more stuff for him. And I wouldn't put it past these guys because they're not the best guys in the world. Their character is, is bad. So we go on. If you are, verse 19, if you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are. So now he's letting them know, I'll send the rest of you home and we'll just leave the one. Let's see how this works out. Let one of your brothers remain confined uh, where you are in custody and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine for your households and bring your youngest brother to me. So your words will be verified and you shall not die. He's letting them know, like, this is serious business. If you are lying to me and you come back, it's not going to work out well for you because you will die. So he's letting them know, I mean, this is a, a very severe thing. Now, would he actually put them to death? Probably not. But we also know that the Lord is in control, and he's got his 12, the Lord does, to, to really to jumpstart this nation. But there's 10 of these guys that just really need a wake-up call because they're horrible men. They're horrible men. And, and God's really going to, he's going to send them a wake-up call. And this is all part of it. And jo- Joseph's let them know. He's like, listen, if, you, if you're lying to me, it's your life. It's your life. Number one, I mean, even if they don't come back, he's like, where are you going to find food? You have to come back to me to find food. You have to come back. But he's gracious and he gives them all, he gives them grain. I mean, he's going to take care of their needs. He, he loads them up and does all that stuff. And ver- continue on verse 20, it says, and they did so. Verse 21, then they said to one another, this is them in, in the presence of Joseph. So create in your mind the, the visual. They are standing before their brother, having this conversation out loud, thinking because Joseph is using an interpreter that he doesn't understand their dialect. He, doesn't, he can't speak their language. So they say to one another, in truth, first time in their lives, probably, in truth, let's speak truth. Let's be real with each other. Why are we here right now? How did we get here? In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother Joseph. First time these guys have probably ever owned up to the sin that they committed. Probably the first time, because we know they hid it from their dad. They didn't tell him the truth. And they probably buried this secret deep within their hearts. And we know how that works out. I mean, we have, we have David, King David, who tried to do the same thing with Uriah, right? I mean, he had, a, he had the guy murdered and, and tried to hide it. And it just was like, he, he described it as like, it was as if there was like flames inside of me, burning up inside of me, that conviction. These guys, I mean, they go for years, years. And then finally, standing before Joseph, and it's because he was poking and prodding them, so to speak, that they're going to, they finally own up to it. 
We are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul, speaking to the crying out that he was doing when he was thrown into the pit, when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, did I not tell you not to sin against the boy, but you did not listen? It was his plan to, like, let's just throw him in the hole in the pit. And when, they, when the other brothers left, he was going to rescue him out, and then he was going to deliver him to dad. And hopefully, that would put him in good standings with dad, because he's the oldest. But Jacob's not treating him as if he's the oldest, because, well, he's a bad dude. Reuben says, hey, I told you guys what I tell you. I told you we shouldn't have done that. Now look at it. Now look where we're at. So they're, put, they're connecting the dots. They're putting it all together. He says, you guys didn't want to listen to me. So now, he, so now there comes a reckoning for his blood. We are reaping what we have sown. Sometimes that happens today. Sometimes that happens years down the road. But for these brothers, they, they recognize like, man, you remember what we did to Joseph? That's why we're standing here right now. And it's like, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Now, would they have been standing there had they not done that, done that to Joseph? I have no idea. I don't know how any of that stuff works. I don't, who cares? This is where they're at. This is what happened. So we don't need to speculate on the what ifs or anything like that. This is what they chose to do. And this is where they're at right now. And the Lord is in total control of all of it. And he can use their sinfulness to work out his plan. That's, and that's ultimately what he's doing. Verse 23, they didn't know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. Then he, Joseph, turned away from them and wept, because for the first time in his life, he's hearing his brothers actually owning up to what they did to him. See, again, they hurt him. Man, the wound that they caused within his life, I'm sure went deep, because that's how it is when brothers hurt each other. We see it all the time in churches. When, when people in the church hurt each other, man, those wounds are deep. We're just with a bunch of pastors in Dallas at a Calvary Chapel conference. And the common thing, I tell you what, there was like 42 senior pastors, and you all get like three minutes to come and stand in front of everybody and say, hey, you know, here's what's going on in my life. Here's how my family's doing. Here's how the church is doing. What is one thing I wish I knew before I experienced it? Something like that. And how, do you, how you can pray for me? The predominant thing by most of those pastors when it came to what did you wish you had known before you experienced it, they all talked, not all of them, but most of them talked about the hurt that they had felt from within the church. That was a common theme. You know what? Because it's one thing for somebody who's not saved to hurt me. That's fine. You know, I don't like it, but I can take that. But when that happens inside the church, that hurts in a way that is just unimaginable. And Joseph is like, man, you guys are my brothers. And for the first time, he's hearing them finally own up to it. Finally. And, and he breaks down emotionally. He breaks down. Can you imagine the relief that he felt upon hearing that? I mean, that's, again, put yourself in that position. I, I don't know where you guys are at. I don't know what you've gone through. But maybe there has been one person in your life. And for when that person stands before you and says, you know what? What I did was wrong. And I'm sorry. There's a release that happens within us. There's almost like a freedom. There's certainly a healing that can take place when that, takes, when that happens. 
But there's almost like a burden that is relieved of us in one sense. And maybe that's bitterness. Maybe that's resentment that we're holding on to. Um, I know 10 years ago when I, I had to work that out with between my, my dad and myself, um, and I haven't confronted him personally at all, but it was literally killing me. Literally, it was damaging my body, the hatred and resentment I had toward this one individual. Literally, physically, it was destroying me. It was. I had to go to the doctors because something was happening inside my body. And what it was was it was directly connected to the bitterness that I was holding on to, that I held on to for so long in my life. Praise God, I had godly men in my life. I had a beautiful, wonderful, godly wife who was able to come alongside me. My own brother, who's, who's dealt with his own stuff. We have different dads. We've gone through the same, kind of walked through the same stories. Um, who would encourage me. He's like, listen, sit down, write a letter. Write a letter to him. Throw it all out there. Just throw it all out there. And he's like, when you're done writing that letter, throw it in the fireplace. Crumble it up. Throw it away. He's like, but that's got to be like step number one for you. He's like, you got to get it out. And that's what I did. I can't tell you the burden that was lifted from my from, from me and my soul when I did that. That was step one in just in, in the healing process for me. And it's been a journey, and it's, it's still a journey. I'm, meet, still, I'm meeting family on his side and all that good stuff. I'm walking through this thing daily. But th- that, that thing that happens inside of us to where it's like when I was set free of just the hatred that I had, man, it felt so good. I had, like, come alive in one sense. And it was, a, it's a be- it was a beautiful experience in that. And we'll see what happens as the Lord kind of sets up that stuff within my life, because I will find him, and I will stand before him and say, listen, I forgive you of everything, because I can do that now, because it's real within me. Here's Joseph. He's hearing his brothers, the very ones who heard him. He's like, he breaks down, gets himself together. Um, he returns to speak to them, and he took Simeon uh, from them and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for their journey. So he is heaping upon them grace upon grace upon grace to the ones who hurt him the most. So he set up the boundaries. He was wise. He set up the boundaries, and he says, I want to know what's on your heart, because I need to know if I'm dealing with the same person or not. And when he discovered that there was actual brokenness within their lives, at least a little bit, and some sort of repentance, at least a little bit, he was going to heap grace upon grace upon grace in their lives. He was going to go above and beyond what was required of them. All they had to do was give them grain. What you need to understand is that the grain that was given to his brothers came from his own treasury. He paid the price for their lives. He paid the price for their lives. That didn't come from the storehouse of Egypt. That came from Joseph's cupboard, so to speak. And not only did he give them grain, he gave them their money back. And not only did he give them their money back, he gave them in abundance. He was going to make sure they had everything they needed to get back home. I don't know if if you're not seeing Jesus and the gospel in that right there, I don't know how to communicate it to you any more clearly. Because what we have with Jesus, we were the ones who wounded him. We were the ones who wronged him. And he was the one who was willing to take all of that we had, 
place all of our sins, our wickedness upon himself and die on that cross and pay the price. All of God's wrath was poured out onto him for our benefit. And then not only does he do that, but then he defeats sin and death. He comes back alive and he says, now listen, here's my free gift of salvation. It won't cost you anything. I'll give you in abundance everything that you need to make it on the journey home, which home for all believers is heaven. I, I need us to know that. You need to write that down somewhere within there. You need to make a note of that, that he has provided everything you'll need to make it home. And it may not feel that way. It may not seem that way at times. But Jesus, just like a Joseph, has gone above and beyond. Ephesians chapter 1, he has made available to us every all the riches, all the, all the stuff in the heavenly places, he's made them available to us as his children. You have what you need. You have what you need and in abundance. The story goes on, just to, to wrap this, this up. Um, it says, uh, verse 26, then they loaded their donkeys with the grain and departed. And as one of them opened a sack to give his donkey fodder uh, at the lodging place to feed his donkey there, he saw his money in the mouth of his sack. And so there, placed at the very opening of the mouth so, so that they would see it, um, he says to his brothers, my money has been put back. Here it is in the mouth of, of his grain sack. At, in, at this, their hearts failed them. They sank, and they turned, trembling to one another, saying this, what is this that God has done to us? <laughs> that's funny. I think that's funny, because they're immediately like, oh, man, God, what are you doing to us? Why do you hate us? Why don't you care about us, God? And it's like, wait, you don't see that he loves you more than what you could ever imagine? If you just talk, take a step back, I know your character is, is really bent upon, like, you know, conniving and manipulating and all that stuff, right? But just take a step back and look at the grace of God and say, like, what, what happened here? Like, we got a full sack of grain, and then there's my money. And then this, this guy in Egypt gave us not only all this plus our money back, but he's given us everything we need to make it back home. God, thank you so much for your provision in my life. God, thank you for that. We don't see that at all. We don't hear from these guys at all. All they, all they say is like they immediately are, have like this guilt conscious, this guilt complex within their lives. And they're like, oh, great. Oh, great. God hates us. God hates us. He's going to kill us, <laughs> right? God wants us dead. It's like if he wanted you dead, you'd be dead. He wants you alive because he's going to use you to form his nation. There is no instance that we have or even see within their lives where they just stop and say, hey, you know what? Thank you, God. This might have been an error. But Lord, we thank you so much because we can go back and return our money. That's fine. No big deal. But they're thinking like, oh, great. Now that guy in Egypt, he thought we were spies. Now he's really going to think that we're spies and that we not only got this, we stole this grain from him and we got our money back. They can't see the sovereignty of God. They, they just can't see it right now. Verse 29, when they came to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, they told him all that happened to him, saying, the man, the Lord of the land, that's Joseph, spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies of the land. But we said to him, we are honest men. And his dad, like, spewed whatever he was drinking or started choking on whatever he was eating, right? He's like, whoa, wait, wait, you told him what? Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, great, guys, great, nice. Um, we've never been spies. We are 12 brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is to stay with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord of the land, said to us, By this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine of your households and go your own way. 
Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you are not spies, but honest men, and I will deliver your brother to you, and you shall trade in this land. And as they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they, when they and their father saw the bundles of money, or their bundles of money, they were afraid, even Jacob. And Jacob, their father, said to them, you have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And now you would take Benjamin. Sometimes Jacob acts like Jacob, and sometimes Jacob acts like Israel. Right now, he's acting like Jacob, right? The one who, the conniver, and also the one who, who loves to pass the buck, so to speak. He likes to blame other people. All this, all this has come against me. Woe is me. Why me? Why me, God? It's like, take a step back. Take a breath. Take a step back. The Lord loves you. The Lord cares about you. He's got a plan for you. Okay, Jacob, it's not over. Chill out. It's going to be all right. But he immediately goes just crashing in on himself saying, why is all this happening to me? Then Reuben, oldest brother, says to his father, kill my two sons if I do not bring them back to you. Well, that's a little extreme. You're going a little crazy, Reuben. You're maybe trying to prove your faithfulness to your dad. And if I was his sons, I'd be like, wait, what? Hold on, dad. Wait, whoa. Like, that's not cool. What are you talking about? I just kill my, kill my two sons if I don't bring them back. But he says, Jacob says, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he, Benjamin, is the only one I have left. Ouch, dad. Ouch. That's got to hurt. As your nine brothers are standing around your dad, and your dad says, Benjamin is the only son I have left. Ow. That's not nice. That's not Israel governed by God speak. That's Jacob speak. That's fleshly. That's not spirit led. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. Really what he's saying is if anything happens to Benjamin, I'm, I'm a dead man. I'm going to die because my heart can't take anymore. My heart can't take anymore. They don't immediately go back to Egypt to get bread. <laughs> I feel for Simeon. Simeon's in jail. Um, so you need to understand that. Read ahead. Um, but you've got to know, Simeon is in jail, and his dad doesn't go back to get him. He doesn't go back to get him. Now, I don't know how long the food lasts them, but they have like upwards of nine to ten bags of grain, and they wait till all that food's gone. And they're seeming like, um, I think they forgot me. Like, great, great, right? Like, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. It's an amazing thing, but we are dealing with a messed up family. And if anything, that should encourage us all. That should encourage us all. Because there's no family represented in this room that is perfect. I'm sorry, but you're not. And you're not part of a perfect family. But the beauty of that is, man, God can use anybody And he is, and if I haven't said this enough, he is in absolute control and even circumstances that we may not understand. Take a step back and say, okay, God, help me to see what you see. Because all I can see is this right here in front of me, and I just don't know if I'm going to make it. Help me to take a step back and see the whole picture, at least of what you see, so I can understand that, okay, you got a plan. you got a plan. I just need to be patient. I need to trust you more. I need to trust you more. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken.
historical stories we've been reading about in the book of Genesis are filled with lessons that we just can't ignore. Adam and Eve chose to disobey, and the consequences meant separation from God for all of mankind. Sin entered the world and grew so great that God had to step in. Noah and his family were spared because of their devotion to the Creator, and Abraham's nephew was saved for similar reasons. God does look after those who call Him Lord and who follow Him with all that they are. God's compassion goes even beyond this. He sent His only Son to earth to die in our place, removing the punishment for all of our evil deeds. Jesus' life provided a way for us to reconnect with our Creator and begin to live a new life covered in grace. All we need to do is realize just how sinful we are and how we're unable to do enough to warrant the acceptance of our perfect Creator. We then need to accept that Jesus, who is God's Son, lived a perfect life and then took our sins to the grave. He defeated death three days later. Because of this, He's offering us grace and forgiveness for all of our sins. All we need to do is say yes. We pray that you choose to say yes today. We'd like to encourage you right away to get involved in a local church. And if you're in the Galveston area, we'd love to have you join us. Calvary Galveston meets Sundays at 10 a.m. And you can find directions online at breadforthebroken.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end today. Join us again on Bread for the Broken, where you'll find hope and new life in Jesus. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love and give